We are going to be continuing our series called Spiritual Gifts and Me, Understanding Your Part in the Body of Christ. I'm super excited to continue in this series with you, talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts and the topic of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, can at times be one of those controversial topics of discussion in the church. Over the centuries, scholars and people have debated about spiritual gifts. Are all of the spiritual gifts still available today? Who is the Holy Spirit? And so over the last few weeks, basically, we've touched on exactly that, the Holy Spirit, the purpose of spiritual gifts, and tonight we're going to be diving into uh, the actual spiritual gifts, and we're going to briefly talk about the different spiritual gifts. We're, my goal is to hit six tonight. I showed you a list of 20 last week. My goal is to hit six tonight to talk about that, to pray on that, but spiritual gifts, this is the topic of our conversation. Many people think that the term spiritual gifts is just religious talk for our natural talents or our genetic predispositions. However, the Bible makes clear that spiritual gifts are actually something activated at a specific point in time for believers in Jesus Christ, whether that's at the moment of your salvation or maybe even the Lord would choose to give you a spiritual gift uh, later in your walk with the Lord. Um, There's Moments in scripture where it seems to believe that, uh, yes, when, when the disciples got saved, uh, that some disciples were given other spiritual gifts later in their life. Um, Timothy is an example. Paul tells Timothy, who Timothy was a pastor of a church. He was a young pastor. And Paul said, hey, Timothy, I think you have the gift of teaching. Continue to fan that gift of teaching into flame. And so it's something that the Lord, he might give you a specific gift, but just the more you put it into practice, the more the Holy Spirit just produces um, and grows you uh, within that within that gift that you may have been given when you first believed in the Lord. So it seems as if in scripture, Uh, that some people receive a spiritual gift, maybe at the moment of salvation when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but that others in, you know, as you're walking with the Lord, as the Lord opens up doors and opportunities for you, he might for a specific time, for a specific purpose, to a specific person might give you a spiritual gift that you maybe didn't have five years ago. And so over the first two weeks before we just dive into the spiritual gifts and we talk all about, oh, what are these spiritual gifts? We first had to talk about the gift giver. That's the Holy Spirit. That was week one. And then last week, we really honed in on the purpose of spiritual gifts and the practice of the spiritual gifts. So the purpose of the spiritual gifts, the Bible is clear that there are two purposes for spiritual gifts, really to edify the body and to glorify the Lord. To edify the body of Christ and to glorify the Lord. Spiritual gifts within the church, and when I say church, I mean large seed, not cornerstone. Spiritual gifts within the church can be just so misused, and one of the ways spiritual gifts are misused is a lot of the times uh, leaders within the church or people within the church make spiritual gifts all about themselves. Hey, did you see what I just did there? Wasn't that amazing? And it's just big show, and really it points the the members of the church back to the person operating in the gift. And the Bible says, listen, the Holy Spirit gives people gifts not to draw people's attention back to you, the person operating in the gift, but back to Jesus. 
So the purpose of spiritual gifts is to, number one, edify the body, encourage other believers, and to glorify the Lord. Everything that we do in life, and this isn't just particularly with spiritual gifts, but everything that we do in life should always point people back to Team Jesus. Remember we talked about this last week, that when you come into faith and and you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, welcome to Team Jesus. You're on Team Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit is like, okay, I'm I'm gonna give you super, um, I'm gonna give you spiritual gifts so that you can be a part of Team Jesus and we can continue to advance Team Jesus uh, and, and make the gospel known, make Jesus known to the world so that more people can come onto Team Jesus. Because if you turn from your sin and you come into faith and accept the gift that Jesus offers when he died on the cross for your sins, rose again, you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you turn from sin, hey, welcome to Team Jesus. And this is the amazing thing. And so now as members of Team Jesus, when you are on the play, the ball field called life, um, everything that you do now should be to point back to our captain, our authority, our leader, that's Jesus. So spiritual gifts in the church can sometimes be misused or abused, and the way that they are misused is when it points people back to us, but everything that we do in the Christian life, specifically when operating with the gifts that God has given you, should point us back to Jesus. Hey, it's not me. Like, I'm on Team Jesus. It's all about Team Jesus. It's all about, about my brothers and sisters. I use my spiritual gifts to edify and encourage my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and everything I do is to point back to Jesus, to glorify Him. So that's the purpose of spiritual gifts. And then last week, we also talked about 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, but listen, the key to practicing these spiritual gifts is all about love. Everything that you do has to be done in love. And remember the Oreo analogy? Paul, he talks about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hey, here are some spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, here are some more spiritual gifts. But right in the middle, he says, this is the stuff that binds it together. This is the frosting of the Oreo. It's all about love. It's the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Because he he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13, amongst all, this list of spiritual gifts, he says, listen, but I have this, if I have the spiritual gift of tongues, and if I can prophesy, and I've, if I have the spiritual gift of faith, and if I, have, if I give everything I have to the poor, but I don't have love, he says, all of those spiritual gifts mean nothing. It's completely useless. So, we talked about the gift giver, the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the gifts, gifts but the practice of the gifts, how are we to practice gifts, what should be the foundation, what should be our motivating factor, it's everything's got to be done in love. And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. So those were the first two weeks, and then tonight, really the predominant question I want to answer for us tonight is what are the spiritual gifts, and how can I discover which one or which ones God has given me? So it's going to be some fun stuff tonight, but first let's pray and then we'll make our way through our Bible study. Lord, we first do just want to pause. We want to settle our hearts. After worship, Lord, our hearts are now ready to hear from you from the word. So I pray now that you would remove any spiritual blinders, keep the enemy from us, pray that any distractions, any worries that we brought into young adults tonight, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just calm our hearts, settle our hearts, Lord. Help us to trust you, 
to look to you, to seek you now so that we can hear from you and receive from you as we study your word. I pray that you just help me to communicate effectively and clearly so that we leave tonight with a little bit more clarity and less confusion about the spiritual gifts. We love you and we commit our time to you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So this was the list that we were working off of last week. And there are three different passages in Scripture where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Now, again, if you've done any research on spiritual gifts, maybe you've read Bible commentaries, maybe you've taken a spiritual gifts quiz, there is a little bit of room for debate as to how many spiritual gifts are there. As I read Scripture, I come across 20. And and this is a common number that a lot of different Bible scholars or commentaries will use. So this is the list that we're going to be operating off of. And last week we read 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 through 10, and that gave us the very first nine. Later in verse 28, you're going to see four more. That's 10 through 13. We'll later hit in our series to in our next few weeks to to come, we'll hit on Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, talking about serving and encouraging, leadership, hospitality, all that fun stuff. And then also Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the gift of evangelism, the gift of pastoring and shepherding. Uh, My goal tonight is to hit the first six. And and I I really just want to go through these one by one. A good way to think about the spiritual gifts as well is I've seen other Bible teachers categorize the spiritual gifts into three different categories. So 20 gifts, but probably three categories, you could actually divvy these spiritual gifts up. And those are, you have speaking gifts, you have serving gifts, and you have the sign gifts. Now, what I mean by that is you have some speaking gifts. You have some speaking gifts like the gift of teaching, for example, maybe the gift of encouraging. You have um, different sign gifts. Um, That's more of the miraculous powers kind of things. That's your speaking in tongues. Um, That's your miracles. Okay, those are your sign gifts. Uh, You also have serving gifts. Okay, so that's going to be your gift of serving. That's going to be your helps. That's going to be your gift of administration. And so I like to think of it in those terms as well. So if that helps you, there are speaking gifts, there are serving gifts, and there are sign gifts. So rather than go By that, though, I'd rather just go passage by passage. So predominantly, we're going to be, just tonight, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's why I had you turn there. And we're going to look at the very first six in verses 8 through 10. Now, I will tell you also that there is some disagreement about which gifts are still available today. Or which gifts does the Holy Spirit still give people today? How many of you have heard of the term cessationism? I'm just curious. Cessationism. Okay. So there are some spheres of the church, not myself, not Cornerstone Chapel, but still brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, We just have some healthy disagreement here. There are some spheres of the church um, that hold to the view of cessationism, or they might say, I'm a cessationist. Now, what that really means is that that view holds that when the apostles died, Peter, James, John, Paul, all of them, when the apostles died, so did the spiritual gifts. But most cessationists will say, well, I still believe that the spiritual gifts are available, but just not the sign gifts. Remember, I broke those up into three categories, speaking gifts, serving gifts, sign gifts. Most cessationists will say, I believe the gifts are still available, but just not the sign gifts. That, mo- that 
the gift of healing, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of miracles, when the apostles died out, the gifts went with them. That's what the view of cessationism holds. And they, by saying that, they, I don't want to misinterpret their, their argument. Most cessationists will say, listen, I still believe that God can heal. I just don't believe that God uses individuals by which to heal people. So they don't believe that God gives the gift of healing to individuals. They still believe that God can heal. They still believe that God, God is capable of doing miracles. They just don't believe that God uses individuals to accomplish it. And really, partly their argument comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. And I put it up on the screens just so we can read it. And their argument comes from this verse, and I disagree with their argument using the same exact verse, so I'll explain here. So 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 12, it says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. So cease, cessationism. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So they read this verse and they're saying, okay, where there's the gift of tongues and where there's prophecy and where there's the word of knowledge, okay, all that is going to pass away. Well, when will it pass away? But when the perfect comes, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So it all hinges on that word perfect. Well, what is the perfect that Paul is talking about here? When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What cessationism, the view that cessationists hold is that the perfect that Paul is talking about there is the completion of the New Testament. Other translations will say when the completion arrives or when the completion comes. So some people read this verse and say, when the New Testament was completed, these sign gifts they left. Now here's why I disagree with that, because you have to read the context of the entire passage here. Read the rest of the verse with me. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. The context of this verse Paul is talking about is not the completion of the New Testament. With all due respect to my cessationist brothers and sisters, I don't believe, I think it's a stretch to say that Paul is talking about the completion of the New Testament here. Because the context of the, this passage, Paul's referring to when he is perfected, here's, here's the perfect, when the perfect comes, he's talking about being perfected in the presence of the Lord. And we know this because he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Your translation might say, now we see in a mirror darkly. Basically translation, right now on earth, it's a little bit foggy. We, we can't fully see all of the supernatural or all that God is up to. Right now here on earth, we have very limited finite perspective. Paul says, we, we see right now in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. When will you see Jesus face to face? When you're in heaven, when you're with the Lord. Now I know in part, here on earth we, we know in part, we have God's word, it's enough for us to understand God's plan of redemption for humanity. I'm not always sure what God is up to though, working in my life. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully. When will you know fully? Some class participation here. 
When will you know fully? When you're with the Lord, when you're in heaven. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He's talking about being perfected in the presence of the Lord. Because listen, here is when you, here's when we won't need the spiritual gifts. We won't need the gift of healing when we're in heaven because we're in the presence of the healer. We're in the presence of the Lord. We won't need certain gifts. We won't need the gift of miracles because when we're in heaven, in eternity, we're in the presence of the miracle worker. So Paul is saying, yes, there will be a day when some of these gifts cease, but these gifts will cease and will no longer be needed when we're perfected in the presence of the Lord. I'll be in, we'll, guys, for believers in Jesus Christ, the glorious promise is that our spirit will go to be with the Lord and then one day we will receive a new glorified body, a body that doesn't decay, a body that doesn't get cut up or doesn't need surgery, you don't need to go to the hospital because we're in a perfected, glorified body that God gives us. And so, yes, we, we won't need the gift of healing in heaven, we're in our glorified bodies and we're in the presence of the healer. And so, my position is that all of the gifts are still available today even some of the sign gifts that are a little bit uncomfortable to talk about because, yes, just admittedly, they, they do seem a little bit supernatural, but, hey, we, su- we serve a God who is supernatural. And so the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, I believe it is still in operation and use today. The Holy Spirit gives some of these gifts still to believers today. Now, yes, Any gift can be misused and abused, especially these sign gifts. The gift of tongues can be misused. Paul's going to address that. Hey, there's a proper time and a proper place for the gift of tongues to operate. So people misuse and abuse certain gifts, but the misuse and abuse of gifts doesn't mean that the gifts aren't there at all. And so just wanting to also not just you know, inspire and encourage tonight, but also just to hopefully bring a little bit of clarity to some of these terms like cessationism and some of the different views that, hey, it's okay, there can be some healthy disagreement in the body of Christ. There doesn't need to be division over it. There can be healthy conversations. There can be healthy sit-downs over certain Bible verses that we have some disagreements about. It doesn't, listen, within a family, which the body of Christ is a family, um, if you, if you have brothers and sisters, do you always get along with your siblings? No. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you stop loving them. Or hopefully not. All right, yeah, there were some seasons in my life, admittedly, where my brother, my sister were, got so on my nerves, I went to my journal and I was like, I will never speak to you again. I hate you. And then a day passes later and Tyler's like, you want to go play some video games? I'm like, yeah, let's go. But that's what, that's what a family does. There's some healthy disagreements and arguments, but you still love. And so I don't hold to the position that of cessationists where some of the gifts aren't available. I, I believe in scripture that all of the gifts are still available today. I feel like that's the most compelling argument as we see in scripture. And so that's the perspective by which I'm going to be teaching through our spiritual gifts series. So as I mentioned, the goal for tonight is to get through these first six And this isn't necessarily going to be 
a super in-depth study, because there's 20 gifts. I don't want to spend 20 weeks on this with you guys. I'm giving it another three weeks. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. As we go through our study, I would encourage you to supplement our study with a great book called Living Water by Pastor Chuck Smith. And I just, this idea just came to me. And if I don't follow through, don't stone me. But what I'm going to try to do is um, I'm going to order some of these books, probably a couple dozen. It's called Living Water by Pastor Chuck Smith. And hopefully either next week or by the close of our series, I'm going to have those books available to you for purchase and you can buy a copy of the book. And Pastor Chuck does a great job of really diving into these spiritual gifts and it's a really good in-depth study. Again, if you want to just go home and go on Amazon or whatever, christianbook.com. It's called Living Water by Pastor Chuck Smith, and that's a really good book to supplement our study. Um, so, number one, we're going to be talking about word of wisdom. Now, how I'm going to be putting it on the screen is going to be, there's six gifts that we're going to cover tonight, but I'm going to give you three at a time. And so, first we're going to talk about the word of wisdom, and that's the very first gift that Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Your translation might say the message of wisdom. Now, I've given a working definition for you note takers to hopefully just bring some clarity and help it to just be super concise. So, The word of wisdom. What is the spiritual gift of the word of wisdom? Well, it is an inspired insight or answer to a problem or question. A word of wisdom really is a gift that God gives for a particular matter at hand. Okay, it's not necessarily just this reservoir of wisdom, where you can just go deep into your well of wisdom and you're just spitting off wisdom just everywhere you go. That's not necessarily how this gift functions, but it's a word of wisdom. It is a gift that God gives people to be used for specific moments where he gives supernatural insight to you to give you an answer to a specific issue or problem that you know, hey, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. That was from the Lord. He gave me a specific word of wisdom. He gave me an answer to a specific problem. An example in scripture for you. In the Old Testament. Now the Old Testament is unique in that the Holy Spirit wasn't given to every person who followed after the God of Israel. That's Acts chapter 2. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus dies on the cross for our sins rises from the dead. He tells his disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise that my father's going to give you. And the church is birthed at that moment, Acts chapter two, and God gives the Holy Spirit to every believer in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God only gave the Holy Spirit to specific people for a specific purpose for a specific period of time. There are people in scripture we see filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Solomon, I believe, was filled with the Holy Spirit and exercised the gift of the word of wisdom. And an example is when, and many of you know, if you know your Bibles, there's a story that involves Solomon who 
the Bible says, was one of the wisest men to ever live because he asked for wisdom. And by the way, that's, if, you, if you need more wisdom in your life, just generally, just ask the Lord. He's a generous God who loves to give good gifts to his kids. If you, make, if you have a pattern of making poor decisions, get on your knees to the, to the, uh, in your room tonight before the Lord and just say, Lord, I make really poor decisions on my own. I need your wisdom. And the Bible says in James that God is a generous God and that he will give wisdom liberally. He will give it generously. But some people don't have wisdom because they don't ask. And so ask for wisdom. Now, just because you feel like you don't have the gift of wisdom doesn't justify why you can go around just making stupid decisions. Well, I don't have the gift of wisdom. Hey, why, why in the world would you do that? Why in the world would you say that? Listen, I don't have the gift of wisdom. Like, chill. It's like, no. The Bible says that all believers should operate with wisdom and to ask for wisdom. But a word of wisdom is a spiritual gift that God gives people. He gives insight or an answer to people for a specific time. Again, back to the uh, example of Solomon. There's a story in the Bible where there are two women and both women are claiming that the baby is theirs. Judge Judy is needed for this one, guys. This this gets messy. But the Bible is timeless, guys. So this is probably an example somewhere out there today. So Two women both believe the baby's theirs. The baby's mine. The baby's mine. And, and so people bring these two women and the baby before Solomon. Solomon's the king of Israel at this time. And Solomon, as given specific insight from the Lord, he has this moment of wisdom where he basically says, okay, here's what we're going to do, moms. Because both of you claim that the baby's yours, what we're going to do is we're going to cut the baby in half. We're going to give the head to one and the feet to the other. And the true mom says, no, don't do that. Give the baby to the other woman. And Solomon says, then you're the real mom. Because only the true mother, in this case, out of love for their child, would be willing to give their child up to preserve its life. So Solomon gives the baby to her, and she was the real mom. That was a specific moment of supernatural wisdom that God gave Solomon in that moment to address that chaotic situation. And there, there have been times in my life and probably in yours where there's a chaotic situation and just, just by supernatural divine revelation, just God just gives you a moment of wisdom for such a chaotic situation. And he gives you the right words for the right time to help in that specific situation. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. So there can be moments of divine revelation where God just kind of gives you this wise thing that you can say to someone in its proper timing and in the right way. Now, again, listen, this goes for all of the spiritual gifts. If, if you feel the Lord has given you the, a, a word of wisdom for someone, you, you don't need to announce it to everybody. Okay, because again, it's not about you. You don't need to pull that person aside and say, hey, listen, God has given me a word of wisdom for you. I just feel like that is a little bit too showy. It's again, drawing attention back to yourself. But listen, if it's truly from the Lord, just say what you need to say. Just say it to the person. And, you know, I think of the John Mayer song, say what you need to say. (laughs) Listen, just say what you need to say. 
You don't need to announce it and make it this, like the Lord has divinely revealed to me this for your life. And listen, if the Lord gives you a word of wisdom for a chaotic situation, he gives you insight or an answer to help you with a problem, then just say it. And if it's from the Lord, it'll come to pass. And just allow the Lord to give you wisdom in that way and use it humbly. Word of knowledge. Now, some people confuse, what's the difference between word of knowledge and word of wisdom? Well, a word of knowledge is inspired information about a matter or a person. So word of wisdom is God is giving you an answer to a problem. Word of knowledge is God is giving you information about a person. Information about a person. Sometimes you may feel like God has given you specific information about someone's life that's important for a specific situation. Biblical example is, I love this story, Jesus in John chapter 4. Jesus is meeting with a woman at the well, and it just so happens that the woman at the well, she's a Samaritan. And long story short, Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along. They didn't like each other. Um, Jews saw Samaritans as less than. Samaritans saw Jews as obnoxious. And so they didn't get along, but Jesus, a Jew, is sitting with this woman at a well, and she's a Samaritan woman. And they start having a conversation. And many of you know this story. They're having a conversation. It's fine. The woman's a little bit short with Jesus. She knows, listen, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We, we don't really have these kind of conversations. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm really enjoying this conversation. How about you go get your husband? Word of knowledge given to Jesus by God the Father in that moment to ask that question. Why don't you go give your husband? Because Jesus knew the root of her issue. And what does the Samaritan woman say? She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus, divinely inspired by his father, he says, you're right, you don't have a husband because you've been married to five guys and the sixth guy you're with right now, he's not your husband. Mind blown. And this woman is just cut straight to the heart. Because God the Father gave God the Son, Jesus Christ, a word of knowledge to just cut through the clamor of that conversation, gave Jesus the knowledge to know this woman's been married five times, and the guy she's shacking up with right now, that's not her husband. And it just cut straight to the issue, and her heart was opened up so that she could see Jesus for who he truly was, the Messiah. Special word of knowledge. It's this insight into someone's life where God has just divinely revealed something to you about someone's situation or about someone's life, information that you wouldn't have been privy to otherwise, that God wants to use so that you can encourage someone, so that you can get straight to the issue of the matter with them. And the person's like, how did you know that? There's only one way you would have understood that or known that, and that was from the Lord. And again, this doesn't need to be a glossy thing where God has given me a word of knowledge for you. Listen, just say what you need to say as you feel the Lord gives you. And listen, with these gifts as well, you, you can't just be kind of flippant about, hey, I've got a word of knowledge for you. Because... If you happen to speak into someone's life and you have information about them and they're like, bro, I have no idea what you're talking about, then that's just going to be awkward. So 
all the more reason for us as believers to just constantly be in the word and just seeking the Lord. And not seeking the gifts just to claim that we have certain gifts, but seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking the gift giver and allowing the gift giver just to operate through you and to use you. But so many times we go just looking for people and opportunities, trying to speak into someone's life just because we want to feel like we're being used by the Lord, but we make the spiritual gifts in and of themselves an idol. And God wants us to be more in love with the gift giver, not the gifts. So again, it doesn't need to be this glossy thing, but if God has given you just specific information about someone's life and you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share with them, then just graciously do it. And we see an example from Jesus's life in John chapter four. Number three, the gift of faith. And I love this gift, the gift of faith, a special ability to trust and rest in the promises or possibilities of God for a given situation. And many of you know this people, these kind of people who exercise the gift of faith. And you're the type of person after something chaotic, through the pandemic, whatever it might be, they just constantly worry. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be something big, but just, just what seem to be everyday kind of common matters. And you're the type of person just to always be worked up. And then you have a best friend who's just always operating in the spiritual gift of faith. Like, hey, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And you're like, would you, would you shut up? Would you be bothered with me? You are a terrible friend. I need you to be worried with me. And we need some companionship in the worriness. But your best friend is just operating in the spiritual gift that God has given you in the gift of faith. No matter what is going on in your life, you just always seem to have this supernatural peace about the news that you received at the doctor's office, about the tension and the worry going on amidst your family issues, Um, the pandemic or whatever it might be, issues at work, but God has just given you by his Holy Spirit the gift of faith where you just exercise, listen, God's in control. He's gonna take care of us. And to the people who worry, you see people who operate in the spirit, the spiritual gift of faith as you just, you're just careless. You, you, you don't spend time thinking about, you know, what I'm going through. And, and, but no, you just have to understand that God has given specific people just an extra measure of faith. Listen, we're all as believers called to have faith and trust in the Lord, no matter what we're going through. And my hope is that as I teach through young adults or as you come on Sundays or Wednesdays, that as you hear the word, that you're just encouraged to have an extra measure of trust and faith in the Lord. But there is this spiritual gift of faith that God gives certain people for specific situations where you should be worried. You should be all worked up. Things don't make sense, but God just gives you a peace that passes understanding and you have the gift of faith to know, hey, God's gonna take care of it. And I don't even know how. I don't even know why I have this peace, but God's in control. And I just, I'm exercising the gift of faith in this and the Lord just gives you this supernatural peace. If or when you get married, it's also important to understand your spouse's spiritual gifts because you can better understand, you can better compliment one another in that, oh, my spouse has this gift or my spouse has this gift and understanding your spouse's spiritual gift will also help you understand um, how they react to certain situations within your marriage. And so um, the gift of faith, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all amazing gifts that the Bible uh, speaks of here that the Holy Spirit gives to not everyone, but 
certain individuals for specific times for a specific purpose. The gift of healing, gift number four, the gift of healing is the supernatural ability of God working through a person to cure illnesses or restore health apart from natural means. Now, this is one of the sign gifts that we're talking about here, the gift of healing. And I'm going to be honest, the gift of healing is one of those gifts that puts a bad taste in people's mouths because I have seen it being abused or misused. And maybe in your um, growing up through the church, maybe your church background, you've, you've seen the gift of healing operated and you've also seen the gift of healing misused. I have heard people say, oh, well, if you just had enough faith, you would have been healed and you wouldn't be walking or you wouldn't be bound to the wheelchair. That is not, that is not biblical. Listen, I don't always know why God chooses to heal some and not others. There's a very uh, challenging passage in the Gospels where Jesus, obviously full of the Holy Spirit, has the gift of healing. So many stories where Jesus supernaturally healed people. But why does Jesus choose to heal some and not others? Well, there's a challenging passage. It's at the pool of Bethesda, where there are probably, because we know from archaeology, the pool of Bethesda was the size of an Olympic, um, a couple Olympic swimming pools. There possibly were hundreds or thousands of people with illnesses, um, diseases, um, broken arms, legs, surrounding this pool because they believed that the person who got into the pool first was supernaturally healed. Not exactly sure why they thought this. There's some speculation I could get into it, but for the sake of time, all of these people, thousands of people gathered around this pool to be healed. Jesus, operating by the power of the Holy Spirit, he chooses to walk over hundreds, possibly thousands of people to get to the one whom God chose him to heal. Only one. Although Jesus, who is God in flesh, could have healed everyone around that pool. But God the Father only directed Jesus to heal the one. Not why, we don't know. But God does what he does, and we don't always understand why. And so I'm convinced that God chooses to heal people in a variety of ways. God chooses some to heal people medically with modern medicine and the wisdom of good doctors today. God chooses to heal some supernaturally, and this is the gift of healing, where people are healed by the power of the Lord through an individual, and there is not a natural explanation as to why they're healed. I have heard so many stories of people being prayed for, going to the doctor's office, and being completely healed of their, can- of their cancer. And the doctors have no natural explanation for it. I believe Jesus sometimes heals medically, sometimes heals supernaturally, or sometimes heals eternally. And that not everyone on this side of heaven 
always experiences medical or supernatural healing, but the beautiful promise of having a relationship with Jesus Christ is that all of us who believe in Jesus will be healed eternally when we're perfected in his presence and receive our glorified bodies. But why does God choose to heal some and not others? We don't always know. But for some to be, you know, a little flippant about, well, God's not healing you because you don't have enough faith. Come on, that, what is that all about? That doesn't belong here. But the gift of healing, I believe, is still available today. And I've, I have heard stories in our own church, have read books throughout the centuries of church history where God used certain individuals and he gave them the gift of healing to minister to someone and to supernaturally heal them. There was a pastor on staff here at Cornerstone who um, is no longer on staff with us. Uh, His name was Pastor Vic. And I believe that God gave Pastor Vic for specific uh, times, for specific people, the spiritual gift of healing. Because it seemed when every time he prayed for a person, no matter what it was medically, that the Lord would heal that person. Now, again, it's not to prop up Pastor Vic and say, oh, you're this miracle worker. No, it's to glorify the Lord, to bring glory back to the Lord. There's this woman in our church, her name is Sandy. Many of you know Sandy Bell. I believe that God has given Sandy Bell the gift of healing. There was an example where she was on a missions trip. And um, I might be botching this story a little bit. I tried to call Sandy, honestly, before this and say, hey, I just want to make sure I've got the facts straight. But as I remember it, okay, there was a, a young girl on the mission trip and she somehow got stabbed in the foot with a sharp stick and basically just put a whole damper on the rest of the trip for that girl. Well, Sandy Bell on that mission trip prayed for her foot and the stick went through her foot She couldn't walk on it, had to go seek medical attention. Sandy Bell that day prayed for her foot and the pain was instantly gone. And I believe that Sandy was operating in the spiritual gift that God gave her, the spiritual gift of healing. But again, with every spiritual gift, we need to operate in the spiritual gifts with humility and with love, not to parade ourselves. And this is one of those gifts where I've seen misused in the church at large, where There will be times where people will attempt to heal someone. Someone will come up for prayer and and they don't see the, the, the person who's praying for that person thinking they have the spiritual gift of healing, they don't see the immediate result and they put it back on the person. Well, go and pray more because you, you, you don't have enough faith. That's, that's not how to properly operate in the gift of healing. When you look at a balance of scripture, again, I think the argument can be made that sometimes God heals medically, sometimes God heals miraculously, and sometimes God heals eternally. And we pray to the Lord, we seek faith, uh, we, we seek the Lord in faith, and we just trust God for the results. Um, James chapter 5, the Bible says, for those of you who are, who are sick, um, present yourself to the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and pray in faith. And so we do that here at Cornerstone. There's nothing, you know, we just use a little bottle of, um, of olive oil. And there's nothing supernatural or magical in the olive oil itself, but olive oil in the scriptures is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so we anoint that person with olive oil as they have 
um, a physical need for healing, we anoint their forehead with oil, we lay hands on them, the pastors and elders, and we pray that the Lord would heal them. And we just trust the Lord to either heal medically or or heal supernaturally, or sometimes we don't see the the results of healing, but the Lord chooses to um, take them home and they are healed eternally. And so again, it's not about the person operating the gift, it's all about the gift giver, we trust the Lord for results, but again, um, I believe scripture is clear, and I believe that we have examples through church history that the gift of healing is still in operation today. Two more gifts, the gift of miracles. Now, the gift of miracles is the working of God's power through a person for his glory. And an example in scripture, again, would be Jesus turning water into wine. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, Peter operates in the gift of miracles, or your translation might say miraculous powers. Peter raises a girl from the dead in Acts chapter 9. Her name was Tabitha. And the gift of miracles is anything accomplished outside of human elements, not attributed to natural means. And we see Paul in the book of Acts, this is kind of a a humorous story, in Acts chapter 13, there's this sorcerer following Paul's ministry around, attempting to thwart the message of the gospel. Everywhere Paul is going, Paul is preaching the gospel, and in this particular story in Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching the gospel to someone, and this sorcerer, someone inspired by demonic powers, comes along, attempts to be in opposition to Paul, and Paul actually calls blindness down on this guy. And and the guy goes blind, and then Paul continues to preach the gospel, and the guy whom he's talking to gets saved. And that is Paul operating in the supernatural gift of miraculous powers. Hey, this, this sorcerer thwarting the gospel, hey, why don't you just shut your eyes, you go blind. And the guy goes blind, the sorcerer. And this is Paul operating in the gift of Miracles. Now, again, with every gift, we have to be wise about miracles or power because you, you know who also has power and who works miracles? His name is Satan. There is a spiritual war going on in the heavenly places where there are demonic forces and demonic principalities who have supernatural abilities. That's what the Bible says. And they have power. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says that Satan um, will attempt to, anything that God does, Satan attempts to copy. And so Jesus says there's going to be false prophets and false miracles in the end times, prompted by Satan himself. Anything that God does, Satan attempts to copycat it. You remember in um, the book of Exodus, when Moses was working, God through Moses was working these miracles, turning water into blood. Remember that? And then... uh, the um, magicians of Egypt were also able to replicate what God was doing through Moses by inspiration of demonic powers. And so again, we have to be really wise about this stuff. Not everything that you see in the world that is supernatural or spiritual forces is from the Lord. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. And so we have to be careful when observing different gifts at work, especially the gifts, gift of miracles, because anything that God wants to do through someone, 
Satan wants to discredit that by also doing it. So the gift of miracles, the working of God's power through a person for his glory. I don't know personally anyone with this gift, but again, just because I don't know someone with this spiritual gift doesn't give me reason to believe that God doesn't, doesn't still use people in this way. And then finally, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy, the inspired foretelling or forthtelling of God's word for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of God's people. Now, the gift of prophecy doesn't always mean that you are foretelling or predicting the future, but is more about the foretelling or the exhorting and proclaiming of the word of God. And the reason that a lot of people, and again, I don't believe that there are any prophets today, capital P, like there were Old Testament prophets in the day. But the Old Testament prophets were exercising the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy, as they were foretelling the future, as they were predicting the future by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that they were predicting or foretelling the future is because everything in Scripture, Jesus is coming. Even Daniel prophesies about things that haven't even yet happened. God gave them the spiritual gift of prophecy because they were foretelling God's divine plan of redemption in Jesus Christ. Now we are at the other end of that prophecy. Jesus has come. Jesus has died for the sin of the world. There is less need for the, forth, the foretelling um, of events to happen. Um, if, if, if there's a prophet, go, if there's someone going around saying, I'm a prophet and here's what's supposed to happen in, in the end times and it doesn't match with scripture, listen, just run. Don't, don't, don't listen to that dude. Um, anyone who claims to be a prophet, just dismiss them, line everything up with God's word. The gift of prophecy, we always think, oh, I'm predicting the future, I'm predicting the future. There's some weird loony people who are always trying to predict the future, predict when is Jesus coming back. Hey, line that up with scripture. Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour. So I'm going to dismiss you. You know what people used to do to prophets in the Old Testament? When something didn't come to pass, they would stone them. So I'm not suggesting that we go back to that, but there would be a lot less loony prophets if that were still the consequence. Hey, listen... If you don't get something right and you're, you're saying that God has given me um, a prediction of future events and that doesn't come to pass, you're not from the Lord. And so dismiss that. But prophecy, the spiritual gift of prophecy can more so be not just the predicting of future events. God has given us everything in his word um, concerning what we need to, uh, how we need to operate with faith and practice. There's nothing, there's nothing more we need to understand or, or predict for us to live godly lives for the Lord. Um, we expect Jesus to come back for his bride. Listen, there's, there's, there's nothing, anybody who's on TV trying to just give you all of these different like, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Listen, just screen it through the word of God, pray on it, but we need to be cautious about accepting everything we hear. The spiritual gift of prophecy more so is about the forthtelling of the word of God, exhorting, God uh, exhorting God's people with the word of God. 
I'm not in any way saying that I'm a prophet or that any pastors here on staff are prophets, but I believe that pastors generally are operating the gift of prophecy because they're just simply encouraging God's people with the word of God. They are forthtelling, exhorting, proclaiming the word of God. But again, test everything you see with the word of God. Because Jesus does say, listen, there will arise in the end times false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves and they seek to destroy you. And so we need to operate in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not just to accept everything we hear from a pastor or a popular Christian leader, someone on TV, everything you hear, screen it through the word of God. And that's why it's all that more important for us to actually be in the word of God so that when things come across our path, we're able to line it up with scripture. And if it doesn't line up with scripture, we just dismiss it. I've given this example before, but it is such a helpful example and an encouragement to us to be in the word is that many people in government who are um, in the line of um, studying counterfeit money, they don't, I mean, yes, they, they also, as counterfeit bills come across their way, um, they study counterfeit bills, but predominantly people in this area of work, they don't study counterfeit bills. They study genuine bills. They study genuine checks because when you can, when you understand what a genuine dollar bill looks like, when a phony comes across your desk, you can easily recognize it to be false. Why? Because you are very in tune with what the genuine looks like. And it's the same thing with God's word, guys. We, we can be very easy uh, to just accept everything that we hear um, from TV guys or celebrity pastors or whatever. Listen, anything I say, screen it through the word of God. And we, we, can, be, we can become so just... Um, just negligent about studying our Bible because we look to other church leaders and anything they say we just accept, we run with, and we hold on to it. We need to know the genuine. We need to know the word of God. The more we know the word of God, when counterfeit comes across our way, we can easily spot that it's counterfeit. Hey, that doesn't line up with the word of God. That doesn't line up with scripture. And so everything that you hear from me, anything you hear from other people on TV, on social media, screen it through the word of God. But the gift of prophecy, nonetheless, is the foretelling and the exhorting and the proclaiming of God's word. My goodness, I, I'm like already out of time. But the question I wanted to get to is how do I know which gifts God has given me? For the sake of time, I'm going to save that to next week. Um, so that I don't keep you for another 15 minutes here. But next week, come ready, because I really want to answer this question, how do I know which gift or gifts has God given me? Again, we ran through six tonight. Um, We've got more to cover, and so we're going to cover seven more next week, but predominantly the main question I'm going to help us to answer is how can I discover, hey, which, which gift has God given me? And I want to hopefully bring some clarity to that conversation. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into that next Monday night. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for our time together tonight. And I pray again, Lord, that you would just continue to teach us through your word. 
some of these things can be confusing, but I pray that as we dive into your word, Lord, and as we seek you, and as we seek the scriptures, and as we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us by your word, I pray, Lord, would you just open up our hearts to hear from you and receive from you, that we would walk out of this building with less confusion and more clarity about what you want to do through our lives, Lord. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for helping us, for coming alongside us by the power of your Holy Spirit, not leaving us here on earth just to fend for ourselves. You you told us in the word that you weren't gonna leave us as orphans, but you wanted to give us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to counsel us and to give us spiritual gifts so that we can properly reflect you to a dying world. And so we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the spiritual gifts. And I ask, Lord, as we make our way through this list, would you impress upon our hearts maybe that gift or those gifts that you have given us, Lord? So that we might use them, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to edify the body, to encourage our brothers and sisters and to ultimately glorify you, Jesus. Whether you've given us the word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, or you've given us the gift of faith or the gift of healing or miracles or prophecy, Lord, would you reveal that to us, Lord? Would you help us to understand the gifts more deeply? Would you help us to seek you, to pray over these gifts, that you might make it clear to us, Lord? how we can best serve you while we're here. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. I ask that you would now go before them as they go about the rest of their week. Be with them at work. Be with them at school. Be with them at home. Be with them in their conversations with friends. And I pray that you would give them just an extra measure of your peace and your favor and your blessing, Lord. We love you, Lord. All of this is to you, Lord. We commit the rest of this series to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people together said, amen and amen.